0: My name is Don Sikorsky and for the last 20 years, somehow, someway, I've produced television, major motion pictures, podcasts, and documentaries. My stories have led me inside federal prisons, the back of undercover gang unit vehicles, cartel strongholds military bases, SWAT raids, face-to-face meetings with killers, and some of America's most notorious gangsters. They've also allowed me to interview not just criminals and members of law enforcement, but also academics, newsmakers, celebrities, and even afforded me the occasional steak and whiskey with hard-nosed Chicago reporters lamenting the chaos and crumbling of their cities and professions. In Hollywood, where nothing gets made in less than five years, I've produced two feature films, the true crime thriller, The Infiltrator, starring Brian Cranston and John Leguizamo. I also produced City of Lies with my good friend and director Brad Furman, which starred Johnny Depp and Forrest Whitaker, and told the true story of LAPD homicide investigator Russell Poole, a man whose life was ruined pursuing the killers of hip hop superstar Biggie Smalls. And I can tell you one more thing about that murder. And if you want to know who actually killed Biggie and why the LAPD and the city of Los Angeles still cover up this crime to this day, you can listen to my podcast, The Dossier. I also recently executive produced the Supreme Team documentary series with hip-hop legend Nas, in which we told the defining crack era narrative of Gerald Prince Miller and Kenneth Supreme McGriff, two drug kingpins that defined early hip hop and the rise of street corner myths. I've always embedded myself inside these dark worlds of crime, the war on drugs, mass incarceration, the federal criminal justice system, dirty politics, and corruption, whether that of the police, the government, and especially moral corruption. I see a thread throughout all these issues. They are not standalone. It's my obsession, it's my purpose, it's what I do. Now that you know a little bit about my career, welcome to Criminal and Media, an audio channel that features hard-hitting journalistic series from the worlds of true crime, hip hop, policing, pop culture, and politics, as well as a sprinkling of current events and sometimes rants from my own weekly talk show, The Way In. Each day of the week, you can follow your favorite series or hear interviews with major figures inside each of these worlds. Our weekly lineup will be Mondays, where we will tell unheard of hip hop crime stories. Tuesdays, stories about criminal justice and police corruption. Wednesday, pop culture with an edge. Thursdays, sports, Fridays, true crime, and Saturdays, my interview show. Why no Sunday show? Well, even God needed a day of rest. But don't worry. You don't need to write all this down, as I'll be reminding you as we go. You just need to listen. The Criminal-Minded Media Network is a mix of curation from my life and work and a wild ride into worlds, stories, and voices you have never heard of or seen before. So let's just jump right in with our first show, Hip Hop vs. The Cops. This is a story of a secret book that was created by the New York City Police Department and the FBI that went after some of the biggest figures in the hip hop music business. Sit back, enjoy. On Sunday, April 3rd of 2022, I was reading the New York Times when I stumbled upon an article titled The Lyrics and the Sentence by journalist Jay Lee, who worked with an independent newsroom called Type Investigations.
1: Today, I'm speaking to reporter Jaya Lee about her article, This Rap Song Helped Sentence a 17-Year-Old to Prison for Life, produced in partnership with the New York Times, where Jaya is a contributing writer for the magazine. For her investigation, Jaya spent more than two years compiling and analyzing information on hundreds of criminal cases where rap lyrics were used as evidence against defendants, and dove into the case of Tommy Kennedy, a young man convicted of murder after prosecutors presented his rap lyrics
2: as a confession.
0: This article captured my undivided attention and the ingredients of it became a recipe or theme for my decision to not only write and record this audio investigation, began what has become a 17-year study of criminal investigations, the failures of the engines of justice, and the politics of policing. As a kid in middle school, my best friend had a poster of John Gotti inside his bedroom and books about his life and ultimate downfall. I wondered why he had such a reverence for a mobster. I'm still reconciling that to this day, and why I feel the need to tell these stories of crime. I digress. Back to the New York Times article and its correlation to my personal journey. In 2005 I filed a Freedom of Information Act request also known as a FOIA request with two police departments the NYPD and the Miami PD based on a weird and bizarre rumor. I had heard the rumor was that there was a law enforcement dossier, a collection of documents about a particular person, event or subject that was compiled by a joint effort between the Justice Department, the FBI, the NYPD, the DEA, ATF, and a secret unit called HIDA, which stood for High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area. The unit that created this book was called the Hip Hop Police or Hip Hop Cops. It took me reading the Times article to reignite my interest in this dossier and to go back to that secret book that had been collecting dust in a box someplace in my house. In the Times article, the writer reported on criminal cases where the prosecuting attorneys in these cases not only entered music into evidence, but they also played music for the juries to listen to as part of testimony. Actual lyrics from actual hip-hop songs were used in open court as evidence to convict individuals of crime. My incredulousness over this prosecutorial ploy is only surpassed by how long it has been going on and how many times it's been deployed in these cases.
1: Your Miranda rights begin with, you have the right to remain silent but For many rappers, that right is
3: already lost. A San Diego prosecutor says, we're not just talking about a CD of anything of love songs. One of the lyrics is putting a gun to your head with no safety.
2: The detective
3: zeroed in on Stewart's rap lyrics. Facing a lifetime behind bars for cutting a rap album.
1: In 2010, Boozy Badass was indicted for first degree murder and prosecutors built a case against him using his rap lyrics.
2: Prosecutors say specific Boozy lyrics equal intent. Defense attorneys say it's just a rapper doing his job.
0: Past three decades, rap in the form of lyrics, music videos, and album images has been introduced as evidence by prosecutors in hundreds of cases from homicide to drug possession and gang charges. The songs are often used to argue that defendants are guilty even when there's little other evidence linking them to the crime.
3: Hi, my name is Bruce Rivers. I'm a criminal defense lawyer in Minneapolis. I'm an expert in criminal law, and I'm going to be dissecting murder on my mind, YNW Melly, and how he's looking at the death penalty. He gives, number one, the motivation for why he's got murder on his mind because people are snitching on him and he's in jail, right? And then he also gives the method by which he seeks to exact revenge. This we call self-snitching. Mr. Melle, um is facing the death penalty and the prosecution is looking to use this video and his own words uh, as evidence against him. One could argue that he's got an artistic license that he's using here and that it's just a song. But the problem is as you go through the video, you'll, you'll see he's, he, he talks about motive, plan, opportunity.
0: The understanding and realization of how dysfunctional America's criminal justice system is, and the fast and loose rules they allow, gave me a newfound inspiration to tell a 30 year story about the microscope that law enforcement has put the business of hip hop under, trying to criminalize it by connecting fake dots, making false accusations and creating conspiracy theories that fly in the face of the freedom of musical expression. It's another version of a present day lynch mob.
1: Well, today I wanna talk about heroes and villains. Is hip hop a cancer? Or is it a cure? Uh, You know, in every story, there's a protagonist. And the protagonist is agonizing to make wrong things right. And then there's an antagonist who's fighting against what everybody's agonizing for. I guess in in, in simpler terms, in every story, there are heroes and there are villains. Right. But we can all agree that my favorite art form, hip hop, is completely innocent of painting villainous ideas. as heroic. Okay, it's not true. Truthfully, hip-hop is one of this generation's biggest perpetrators, but I think I can show you how that happened and how it's an art form that can turn the ship around. You know, my mother and my aunt's greatest fear wasn't that we wouldn't get into a good school or we'd have bad grades. It was that we spend the rest of our lives in prison. No college meant prison. And so, you know, for us, hip-hop was this audio documentary it was telling us and detailing these stories of, you know, prison and, and murder and, and, and gangs and, and drugs. But it was also, you know, communicating to us our story and what we were going through. So now we're looking at this society and this environment that's been destroyed. I mean, drugs for rappers in the 90s who grew up in the 80s and 90s, like myself, dominated our economic possibilities. Like, I found myself idolizing and looking up to drug dealers and to gang members. It was the world that I existed in. I mean, when drugs came, it was like a gold rush. It was literally like a gold rush. Now, in the 80s, nobody understood the implications. But the 90s, they reaped havoc. You know, hip-hop painted this response. You know, there was this, this big response to all of the stuff that we were seeing in our environment the murder, the mayhem, the prison, the death, the destruction. And rappers, you know, were speaking a language that we could relate to. I grew up, you know, feeling like I was being raised by Lil Wayne, by Tupac, by, you know, Jay-Z. And you know, hip hop could have grown to challenge the war on drugs. Instead, rappers glorified it, embraced it, sold it for profit. The biggest artist, you know, embrace this identity and this lifestyle, and they sell it, they make millions, and they're looked upon as heroes for making it out the ghetto. Those who don't make it are looked upon as villains, arrested, conveniently warehoused.
0: Now back to this secretive book. I filed the FOIA request and I got a strange response, which was a phone call. It was from a woman inside the Miami Police Department.
2: FedEx account?
0: I'll get one. Within two days, a package arrived, and it was a FedEx box. And inside was 1,000 pages, the loose pages of a book. It was sent the Hip Hop Police book, the secretive dossier. But what exactly was it?
2: The FBI is a government agency supposedly intended to protect American civilians from the worst criminals imaginable from domestic terrorists to serial killers. But who do you run to when the FBI wants you dead? It may seem like the high concept premise of the latest Jason Bourne movie, but this was actually the terrifying reality faced by a number of political leaders and public figures as a result of Co-Intel Pro, the FBI's clandestine series of projects intended to bring American activism to its knees. But what was Co-Intel Pro really? When did it happen? Who were its targets? And what terrifying illegal methods were employed under its purview? There's only one way to find out. But be warned the FBI won't seem like the brave crime stoppers the movies often paint them as. Under COINTELPRO, which stands for Counterintelligence Program, they were responsible for everything from psychological warfare to cold blooded murder, all committed against mostly non violent individuals whose greatest crime was questioning the system.
0: Inside the hip-hop dossier were close to 1,500 pages of documents that on the surface reminded me of a binder that an organized crime investigator would use to track a mafia family. It had documents with file numbers from the NYPD, the FBI, the US Attorney's Office, DEA, ATF. At first glance, my thought was, why the hell was federal law enforcement and the NYPD looking into artists in the hip-hop music business? Surely those entities have real criminals to go after, real narco traffickers or violent individuals running real criminal organizations. In the book were names like Jay-Z, Sean Combs, 50 Cent, Ja Rule, Irv Gotti, Jada Kiss, Fat Joe, The Game, Snoop Dogg. I'm being honest, almost everyone in the business was in this book and there were surveillance type documents that listed home addresses, cars houses, social security numbers, gang affiliations, arrest records. And it had actual lyrics, music lyrics from songs and from artists. These lyrics were printed out from the internet. It was all very bizarre. The obvious question you might be asking is what did I do with the book? What could I do? And did anyone care? I was a young man then, and I had dreams of being a journalist or a writer, so I took the book, bought a Canon video camera, and I told myself that I was going to film a documentary. I named the documentary Rap Sheet. I had a camera, no money, and I knew absolutely no one inside hip-hop or the police department. Clearly a perfect plan, and more clearly, I was delusional. Here is an audio excerpt from the documentary.
4: I grew up in the confines of suburban Norwalk, Connecticut, a fan of the hip-hop music of Public Enemy, KRS-One, and Rakim. In 1994, at the age of 18, I left to pursue an interest in journalism at New York University. I was always fascinated by the rumors I heard surrounding hip-hop culture about murder, extortion, the laundering of drug money, the connection between criminal activity and the music. Little did I know at the time, that fascination would eventually take me on a three-year journey into the very complex relationship between hip-hop, violence, and the likes of the NYPD, LAPD, DEA, and the FBI.
0: My idea for the doc was simple and at the same time crazy. It was going to interview famous hip-hop artists I'd saw inside the book and the police that created the book or who were investigating the hip-hop stars. And also wanted to know what this secret federal seal was I saw embossed on many of the documents. The fuck did this all come from? Where did it start and how sophisticated was it?
1: Of course we the hip-hop police. It's a hip-hop task force out there, yo. I ain't never heard of it, because I ain't never been arrested by hip-hop police. hmm I've heard about hip-hop police There is a such thing as hip-hop police. They, they running around taping and targeting people, but they ain't got no murders on tape. Hip hop cops. I think the niggas always been there. You know what I mean? There ain't nothing new. You don't fuck with the hip hop police, man. They fuck with me. They follow me around, man. In my motherfucking backyard, man. Making motherfucking barbecue burgers, man. That's where they at. They got the hip hop police out there, and they watching, and they be at the clubs. I see them, man. I be in the clubs. But fuck all the hip hop police, man. You know what I mean? Mind your fucking business. Stop following niggas, man.
0: It isn't often as a documentary filmmaker that you get a second chance to tell a story. Sure, as time goes by, you have the benefit of hindsight, could have done things differently, new information presented itself after the fact, etc. Now, having the benefit of 17 years of reporting and investigating under my belt, this story has become timely again, and a perfect opportunity to re examine as currently there are over 78 unsolved murders inside the hip-hop industry. There's an argument to be made that presently, the microscope in which law enforcement is examining crimes inside hip-hop music is sharpening its focus again.
2: Thousands of fans of Grammy nominated rapper and community activist Nipsey Hussle are in a state of shock today. They are mourning the hip hop stars ultimately and violent death. Uh, Nipsey Hussle was murdered in broad daylight outside a clothing store that he owned in South Los Angeles. And he was killed just before he was about to meet with city leaders and the LAPD about reducing gang violence. Lauren, this Florida rapper YNW Melly, as well as another man, are being held here at the Broward County Jail this morning. They are each charged with two counts of first-degree murder. And they're also accused of, as you said, staging this crime scene to appear as though it was a drive-by shooting. Developing right now a search for a killer in South Florida after an up-and-coming rapper is shot dead. 20-year-old XXX Temptation killed in an apparent robbery. Police say the artist, whose real name is Jace Onfroy, was leaving a Broward County motorcycle shop yesterday when he was shot by two men who ran up to his car.
4: This
1: shooting made national headlines as officials confirmed one of the three people shot and killed was rapper King Vaughn from Chicago, who was here last night with friends. Two groups of individuals got into a physical altercation that physical altercation uh, escalated into an exchange of gunfire. Now at 11, we're following breaking news. A rap star on the rise killed during a violent home invasion in the Hollywood Hills this morning. The music world is in shock as police search for the shooter.
2: Pop Smoke was known by some of the biggest names in the business, like Nicki Minaj and 50 Cent. His murder has stunned fans everywhere.
1: Yeah, everybody's talking about it. Police say suspects
0: broke into his home and shot him. So in closing, I can guarantee you a few things. I want to use this New York Times article as an inspiration to tell you my story. One of a wildly insane trip inside the world of hip hop crime in the secret book I found 17 years ago. A book that I've been recently told has made a comeback inside the NYPD and other police departments across the United States. And for the final time in my short career, I will attempt to reconcile with this subject that still defies my logic this many years
4: later. On March 9, 2004, an article in the Miami Herald reported that police from New York City were sharing law enforcement strategies for the hip-hop industry with the Miami Police Department then the article mentioned something else. The existence of a secret book, supposedly compiled by the NYPD, that included surveillance information on many A-list artists and hip-hop executives. The secret book allegedly included surveillance notes on various artists, criminal rap sheets, and other sensitive information on many of the hip-hop industry's biggest names.